you have your Bibles with you, will you turn to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 12. We won't stay there, but we'll start there. Amen? Romans chapter 12. I shall begin reading at verse 3. Hmm. Romans chapter 12, and I begin reading at verse 3. Be reading from the New King James, may read just slightly different than the King James, but you should be able to keep up. For I say, through grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of itself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith, our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence. Amen. He who leads with diligence. Amen. Amen. The gift of leadership or another translation will be that of administration. The gift of godly administration. As, as you know, we've been working out of the gifts the motivational gifts. And we're just about finished. We're just about finished. But hopefully by now you are beginning to understand your place in the body of Christ. Amen. You are beginning to see where you fit in. Hopefully you are beginning to realize that there is more than just the preacher. But each and every one of us that is in Christ Jesus have a gift that God wants us to use. Yeah. Hopefully you understand that your job is not just to come here on Sunday morning and sit in the pews. But God has given you something that he wants you to use to glorify him. He wants you to use it so that he may be exalted in your life. Now we come to the gift of leadership or the gift of administration. These are people that God has given them the unique ability to be able to get the task done. <laughs> God gives them a vision of what he wants to accomplish, whether it is a ministry in the church, whether it is a goal that God has set. But these people may not be the expert of everything, but they're able to put people together to get that task completed so that God may be glorified. They don't mind taking the lead. They don't mind rising to the 
what they see. See, you may see what God wants, but don't you know everybody can't see that? And if that is your gift, then God has really put you in position to rise up to take hold of that goal and to help God's people reach the desire end. I want you to see this gift in living color. And for this particular gift, we're going to go into the Old Testament and we're going to pick out a character that has this gift. I want you to go to the book of Nehemiah. And we would just pick up points all the way through it as you see this gift in action. And we will explain the characteristics of this gift. Book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, Old Testament. Right next to Ezra. You can't find it, look in the front of your Bible. It'll tell you what pages. Don't be ashamed. Got to start somewhere. The only shame there is if you don't pick up a Bible because you're afraid that no, somebody will find out you don't know where it is. But if you don't pick it up, you never find out where it is. Nehemiah chapter 1, and I'll begin reading in verse 2. And like I said, we're just going to hit and miss. We're going to hit and miss because certain things that we need to pull out. Then that Hadaniah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the survivors, they are left from the captivity in the providence that are in great distress and reproach. For the walls of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burnt with fire. So it was that when I heard these words and I sat down and I wept and I moaned for many days for I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What's going on here? Nehemiah saw that the city of God was not what it was supposed to be. Jerusalem had been captured by by the Babylonians and they have burnt the cities and burnt the walls and here is Nehemiah who's in a strange land and he is a cupbearer. He has risen up to the top of being a cupbearer for the king and some people came to visit him and they told him because his heart was still with his people. And he said, how are they? And they said, they're not doing good. What you mean they're not doing good? He said, the city is a reproach. Not just to you, but to God. Jerusalem, the city of God, is a reproach because the walls are, are broken down and the gates, there are no gates. And the enemy walked by this great city and they laugh at the people of God. See, See, God wants to give us a vision. God, God wants to give us a vision of what we ought to be. So too many times we're settling for less than what God wants us to be. The person, the person with this gift gets a glimpse of where we're at. But understand that, well, somebody's paging me. And they see where we're at. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
to break your heart when you see that we as the people of God are so far from where we ought to be. See, you ought to cry sometimes. See, things may be going well with you, but don't you know that your brothers and sisters are part of you? And if we are not where we ought to be, you ought to weep. You ought to moan. You ought to pray. You ought to cry. My people perish for a lack of vision. We don't see. We don't see where God wants us to be. Therefore, we're not striving. Not striving. Hananiah has this. Nehemiah, excuse me. Nehemiah has this gift. So he weeps because he recognized that God's people should not be in this predicament. There's a desire in his heart for God's people to be who they need to be. And he begins, with every leader, you got to do this. He begins to pray. Too many times we're trying to fix things on our own power. Let me tell you something. You can't fix it. If God don't send you, you can't do a thing with it. Too many times we got our own agenda of how it should be done. Don't you know you don't know? Our ways are not God's ways. God's way is higher than our way. So the first thing we got to do is, Lord, if it's broken, I need to get down on my knees and say, Lord, it's broken. And I don't know what to do. Got too many people who knows too much. And if we be honest, none of us know anything. Because God is the only one that knows how the church ought to be. See? Got to understand, this is not your thing. This is not my thing. This is God's thing. So therefore, the one who knows how to fix it has to be God. A leader that is under the spirit of God recognizes that he has to get his vision from God. So the first thing he does is pray. This is not just for leaders. This is for every Christian. The first thing you ought to do is pray. Amen. Chapter 2. Verse 1, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of the king of Axorces, when the wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I have never been sat in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is not nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city or the place of my father's tombs lay in waste and its gates are burnt with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. What I am discovering is this, and this is what we all need to learn. When God has something for you, don't you know you don't have to kick open the door? 
see, sometimes we fight our way in and say, God, put me here. No, no, no. And then when all hell breaks loose, you wonder why? It's because you're someplace where God didn't put you in the first place. Now, that's not to say that when you're someplace where God wants you to be, all hell won't break loose. And what I mean by hell is all of hell, Satan and his demons is on your back. Now, that doesn't mean that when you are where you're supposed to be, it won't break loose. But God will give you the grace to go through. <laughs> Notice he didn't go to the king and say, I got a problem. He basically kept it in himself, and the king required of him, what's wrong with you? And when ne Nehemiah began to explain to him the situation, the king said, what is it you want from me? Uh -huh. Nehemiah didn't jump right in and say, Nehemiah went and prayed. You will see this consistently in Nehemiah's life, that on every step he I am convinced that we as a people of God don't pray enough. I am convinced that we haven't really captured the essence of prayer and God opening doors through our prayers. I am convinced that many times we move out of human flesh instead of being in the spirit because we didn't pray. Verse 5, and I said to the king, if it please the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my fathers, that I may rebuild it. Now, hold on. Wait a minute. This is a heathen king that don't care nothing about God. Don't care nothing about the Jews. Why would he allow his cupbearer to go back and rebuild a city that his nation destroyed? He didn't do it for Israel. He didn't do it for God. But he did it for Nehemiah. See, even, you're right, a heathen king, a ungodly king, recognized the ability and the favor that was on Nehemiah. Don't you know that you don't have to say a word, but do what you're supposed to do? Do it the way you're supposed to do it? Allow God to be Lord in your life? And don't you know God will exalt you? Don't you know God will, will, God will put you in an ungodly situation where you work under an ungodly boss? And you keep on applying the principles of God. Don't you know God will exalt you? Yeah. That even that ungodly boss will recognize that there's something about you? See, we need to tap into the power of God. And the power of God is not just in the church. The power of God is everywhere you go. Because God ought to be in you. If you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is in you. So when you walk into an ungodly place, don't you know God is there? Because God is inside of you. I don't think it happened overnight. But I think it happened in, a, in, in time 
that as Nehemiah kept on trusting God, God kept on giving him favor. See, the thing about us is we want to take over in six months. We want to be boss in three months. Don't you know sometimes you got to go in at the bottom, but God will raise you up. <laughs> so many times we want to go in at the top. But if this ability is yours, if this talent is yours, if this gift is yours, don't worry. People will see it. You don't have to brag on yourself. Matter of fact, Proverbs says that your gift will make room for you. That means don't, don't brag. Don't keep on talking about yourself. Just keep on doing what you're supposed to do. After a while, people will notice you and step aside because it's the gift on the inside of you. See, it's not you, it's God inside of you making room for you because God wants to glorify him. Verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, <laughs> I and a few men with me. And I told no one what God has put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animals with me except the one I rode. Sometimes when God has shown you something, it is not your responsibility to go out right away and tell everybody what God has shown you. When God has said what he's going to do in your life. So, let me, I got to stay God will speak something to you right now, but he's not going to bring it to pass 10 years from now. When God spoke to David that I have anointed you king, David didn't automatically become king right away. What did David do? He stayed in his place. When God spoke to, let's see, who else? Joseph and showed him the dream. And showed him the dream. Joseph said that you were bowing me. Joseph really should have kept his mouth shut. But he was young. He didn't know any better. But God wasn't going to do it right away. Matter of fact, the first thing that happened to Joseph was he was thrown in a pit and sold in slavery. Don't you know that sometimes before God raised you? Before? Amen. 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 See, God don't want you to get up then get the big head. And if you want to know the truth about it, we got the tendency that when God begins to prosper us, we begin to get the big head. So what God has to do is take you through some things so that when he lifts you, you won't get the big head. Because you recognize it wasn't you anyway. It was God who... See, if God's going to do something great through you, he got to take a whole lot out of you first. See, the truth of the matter is, if God blesses us while we still in self, we couldn't stand it. Our head gets so big, we can't stand ourselves. And God will look at us and say, I can't stand you either. So there has to be the process.
process of emptying us. There has to be the process of us being poured out. There has to be the process of us learning dependency on God. So there's some things God was speaking to your life that he's not going to do right now. But he's waiting until you're ready. And in the meantime, it seems like he's not doing anything, but God's doing a whole lot. Don't you know if God's working on you, he's preparing you for something in the future? See, some of you are in a position, you say, I don't know what God's doing in my life. Just stay there. Don't move. Just keep praying. Just keep reading. Just keep seeking him. Just keep getting closer to him because he's preparing you for something you're not ready for yet. Your gift will make room for you. And when God makes room for you, all the demons in hell can't stop it. So he kept his mouth shut. Then go around telling what God was going to do. But he kept his mouth. Well, he got on his horse and he rode around the city. And in his mind, he had to first get the vision for himself. You can't take, you can't teach, you can't show somebody what you don't know. You can only take someone as far as you are. You can't take them beyond you. So therefore, before he told anybody, he had to get it in his own heart and in his own mind. Don't you know this walk is by faith? Naturally speaking, there was no way that, humanly speaking, that they could have rebuilt these walls. And the first thing he had to see, he had to see the reality of where they were at. See, sometimes in some of these, well, I'm not going to say that. Some teaching in Christianity teaches us to speak as though it's not real. But I disagree with that. I need, you need to speak God's word, but you also need to face reality for what's real. Amen. See, you ought to know God is able. But first you need to take assess of where you're at. So when God lifts you, you know where you've been. You see now? If you know you got a problem with drugs, you ought to say, I got a problem with drugs. But God is able to deliver me. See, if that sin that so easily besets you, you ought to admit it first. You need to confess it first. But after you confess it, you give it over to God and say, but I'm not that anymore. But you got to face the truth of where you're at first. So therefore, he needed to see how bad a shape the city was in. He needed to survey it. But at the same time of surveying it, uh, something else was happening. He was also seeing what God was going to do. Some of our problem is this. We are believing the lie that where we're at is where we're always going to be. We're in a bad situation, and we don't believe that God can change our situation. We are surveying the damage, and we're saying it's messed up. And you're right, your life may be messed up, but I know a God that specializes in messed up situations. 
the doctor says it's impossible. And they're right, it may be impossible. But I know a God who loves the impossibility because he specializes in miracles. Yeah, your situation may be down and out, but God is able to pick you up. Never lose hope. I don't care how tough it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how dark it gets. Never lose hope. See, sometimes I got to look at a situation, and it looks bad to me, but I take it to God and say, Lord, show me the possibility. Lord, show me. See, see sometimes we want a tree that already got fruit on it. And what God does is give you a rotten apple. Amen. And you look at it and say, Lord, it's rotten. Matter of fact, Lord, it's white, rotten all the way through. He said, Lord, show me. God said, cut that apple open. When you cut it open, what do you see? I see seeds. God said, I want you to take those seeds and plant those seeds. Because I didn't give you the finished product. I gave you the possibility of what can be. I'm going to give you the seed of what I can do. So many times when God gives us, he don't give us the tree with the fruit. He give us the apple that's rotten, but he said, cut it open. Take those seeds I have given you and plant them. And plant them. What is God telling you to plant? What is it that you are about ready to give up on and throw out? And God is sending you, oh, I got plans for this. What is it that you have walked out on and God hasn't, wasn't finished yet? And you have missed the biggest blessing of your life. Sometimes the worst situations, there's opportunity for the biggest blessing. And so many times, what we do, as soon as things get tough, we walk out. And what you need to do is stay there and say, Lord, give me a vision of what you want to do. Don't quit praying for that runaway child. God's not finished yet. Don't walk out that tore up marriage. God may not be finished yet. Don't jump out of that ministry. If you get out of that one, the next one you get into gonna be messed up too. The, the, the leader, the administrator in us wants to see the vision. And what you do is once God gives it to you, you hold on to it. Don't let go of it. You grip on to it. When, when nobody else knows what you're talking about, that's okay. Nobody else sees it, that's okay. Because the vision is for you. It's not for them. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go on. 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 Verse 18. And I told him of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the king's word that he spoke to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Now notice this. The people said, 
<laughs> the people said, let us rise up. And be, see, let me tell you what God would do. If God is in the thing, he will knit people around you in the proper tie that will stand with you. Amen. Now, I know, I know Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one. No. Elijah, you, you haven't gotten enough sleep. You're tired. And because you're tired, you went into depression. And if you would have stood where you were supposed to be, you would have realized there were 7,000 people who would have stood up with you and said, God is Lord. Don't you know that when God gives you something, he just don't give it to you? He touches other people that is open to the vision. And they look at it and say, yeah, I see that too. <laughs> Amen. Verse, uh, okay, okay, verse, uh, uh, we don't read that, 19. Now, this is important, this is important. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobihah, the Ammonite, the official of the Jimshim of Arab, heard it, they laughed at us. What is this thing you are doing? Would you rebel against the king? And I answered them and said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. There will always be opposition. If you set in your heart that you're going to grow in the Lord, there will always be opposition. Whenever God has given you something to do, there will always be naysayers. Whenever you have determined that God is good, there will always be words of doubt that will come. Whenever you make the make up your mind, you're going to step out and serve the Lord. There will always be a backlash of attack that will come your way. Don't get scared. Don't get discouraged. Expect it. Expect it. Every time I take a step, I expect criticism. Every time I do something new, I expect criticism. You know what? Don't spend all your time answering your critics. If you do that, all you do all the time, you won't get the work done. You'll be answering your critics to set your sights on what the Lord has given you to do and go about doing it. No, you will never get 100% on your side. Now, unless you're wrong. You want to do something wrong? They say, uh-huh. But whenever you are going to do something that's going to benefit the kingdom of God, you can expect Satan and all his imps to get busy. The non-believers would say, you're crazy. And even some Christians would say, you have lost it. It doesn't take all of that. But you know what? Nobody knows what it takes for you to serve God. 
that they may be able to watch that, but you can't. They may be able to go and do that, but you can't. See, nobody knows where you came from. And if God delivered you from that, don't go back for nobody. It may not bother them, but it may send you right back where you came from. The leader has learned to be kind of tough-skinned because they recognize that everybody don't see what they see. The person with the gift of administration is able to put things in the proper process, in the proper sequence. They know what it takes at the beginning and what it takes at the end, and they are focused on the end. And we who are Christians, don't you know you have to be focused on the end? Don't you know that the battle that you're fighting right now is not the war, it's just a battle? And once you get through with this, there's another battle right around the corner. But thank God, the God's word tells me we're more than conquerors. Thank God, I know that Satan has already lost. Thank God, no matter how tough it gets, I know my expected end. I know my expected end. Almost finished, almost finished. Huh. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Chapter four. Verse six. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. So the people had a mind to work. In every instance, you know what you need? You need some people who got a mind to work. See, the leader by himself can't do it by himself. Amen. He may see the vision, but he cannot do the work in between to accomplish the vision. He needs some people who has a mind to work. In the church, you know what we need? We need some people who has a mind to do the work. Now, it doesn't matter what work you do, as long as you do what God wants you to do, but you got to have a... See, it starts with a... And if you have a mind to work, well, take this. Jesus took 12 men who had a mind to work and took the world upside down. If God is able to take 12 men who has a mind to work, my God, how much more can he do with a whole church like this who has made up their mind that they're going to serve the Lord? How much more can God take? You and me and, and them over there and them over there. And we put our minds together and say, Lord, what you want us to do? Whatever it is, I'm willing to go and do it. God can turn Madisonville. God can turn Cincinnati. God can turn Ohio upside down, inside out, because his people have a mind. See, not by our power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. But something happens when God's 
people get together on one accord. Something happens in Acts. The people got together and they started praying. And my Bible tells me the whole place started shaking. What happened? The Holy Ghost got in there. Don't you know when the Holy Spirit gets in the place, you can't stay the same? Well, to make a long story short, they built the wall. And they built the wall, and when they were finished building the wall, even their enemies had to stand back and say, in 52 days, they had built this entire wall around the city. They didn't do it by their power. There must be a God in Israel. You know what God wants? He wants us to walk in such a way that people will look at you and say, there must be a God in that person's life. There must be some power in that person's life. I want to know what that person know because it's evident that there's a God in that person's life. I have discovered that God wants to glorify himself through his people. But what it takes, it, it takes a people who recognize that Jesus is Lord. See, we got too many people who says, I want him to be Lord on a few keys. But not all the keys. But Jesus will walk away because if he can't be Lord of all the keys, he won't be Lord at all. And too many of us are taking back keys. You know, we want God to bless us, but we hold it on to the keys. We want God to do miracles, but we're holding on to the keys. God says, uh-uh, not until I become not just your Savior, not just your Redeemer. I want to be Lord. Matter of fact, my Bible tells me that in the last day that he should be Lord of lords and king and kings. And every tongue shall confess that he is, that he is Lord. You see, you can't start then. You ought to start now. You need to take an evaluation of your life. You need to take a deep look at what's going on in the inside and be honest with yourself. Is he Lord? Is he Lord of 80%? Is he Lord of 90%? Is he Lord of 99%? Is there, is there something in your life that you know you haven't given over to the Lord? And the Lord is standing, knocking at the door of your life, saying, let me in. Lord, you are in, yeah, but you only giving me 99%. I, I want 100%. See, see, you haven't seen what I can do with you yet because you haven't given me 100%. See, I don't know about you. I got to hunger and see the power of God in my life, but I understand that I got to get before him. I got to say, Lord, I, I take over. Lord, take all of me. Lord, Lord, I do what you want me to do. Lord, I go where you want me to go because you're Lord of my life and I recognize that you're good to me. I recognize that if I give you all that I am and all that I have, I will be blessed abundantly because Lord, the, the one thing that I desire is you, Lord. The, 
the one thing that I love is you, Lord. Lord, when I don't have nothing else, thank God I got you, Lord. Lord, when life seems like that, that it's the piss, Lord, you're still good, Lord. Lord, when life seems like that, it let me down. Lord, I know you will pick me up, Lord. Lord, I know that you are all that I need, all that I want, because you're Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Met a man.
Somebody here, you know your life is not built on the right foundation. You're depending on success. You're, you're depending on some woman's or man's love. I, oh. I know you're right. I know you're right. You know, sometimes we build our happiness on the silliest of things. Yes, we do. Everybody want to be loved, but let me tell you, nobody but nobody can love you like you. wants to set you free today. Why wait? Why wait when he will be the best thing that ever happened to you? Why wait when he wants to pour his, his mercy and his love upon you? Why wait to preach I'm not ready yet? You'll never be ready. It takes Jesus to make you ready. Today, right now, you need to commit it all. You need to commit it all into the hands of the Lord. And I tell you, he's able to do more than what you ever could imagine. I tell you, he'll be better than you than you are to yourself. I tell you, he'll change you from inside out. Will you try Jesus as the, as the officers come, as the deacons come? We're going to open up the doors of the church and the choir is going to sing. But God is pulling at you right now. Do not reject him. Do not reject him. Step out. Step out by faith from where you're at. And say, Lord, I trust you. I'm willing to give you 100%. It's time to turn it over. Aren't you tired of hitting your head up against the wall? Aren't you tired of keep on failing or falling? I know a man that will set you free. I know a man that will make you whole. See, what you're looking for, it's not in that. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. I have discovered it's all in Jesus. Oh, rich in the fame, they have their place, but I'd rather...